All right, mate. This is this is this is my theme song, okay? Long dark hair, eyes of green. What can he make? And ukulele sing. Whatever happened to ukulele ring? Big old smile, classy style. Makes you laugh and want to settle while. Where's that singing cat? Ukulele ring. That's a lovely intro, mate. That's a lovely intro. We haven't had a musical intro to the uh, to the sh- to the podcast yet. <laughs> well, it's the least I could do on short notice. <laughs> well, I'm I'm not really short. I'm only six two. Six two. My old buddies like Will Chamberlain really towered over me. Boy, that's another story. So anyway, how you doing, man? How's everything down under, Tony? Well, pretty good. Not too bad, mate. Not too bad. We're doing okay. Um, it's a real pleasure to have a chat with you, mate. Absolutely. It's it's. Um, you know, I've been following you on on Facebook for uh, for for quite a while now, and um, and uh, you know when you when you signed up for the group, when we got you for the group, that was uh, that was wonderful too. So to to actually have you on the group and. Um, and uh, now, as part of the uh, one of our interviewees, it's uh, it, it's it's a wonderful thing. I might just start off very very quickly, just uh, with with the uh, with the group. Just a quick mention. Sorry for last week. I know we didn't get uh, an interview last week on the podcast. Uh, Easter kind of Easter kind of got in the way of that a little bit, but uh, we're endeavouring to make sure that we've got a lot more interviews coming through and a lot more happening. And uh, I think we've really we've really kicked off rather nicely um, for this holiday, I suppose, uh, fortnight that we've got here in Australia. I don't, I don't know if you're you guys on holidays there at the moment. Well, it, it, we, we had a really nice holiday. It's been like almost eighty degrees here, you know, in San Diego. You know, I'm in San Diego, California. You know, the the West Coast. Yes, that's right. West Coast, baby. Oh, what is 
say California and I'm there. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm the governor. <laughs> well, that's, that's, yeah, that's. Okay, on with it. <laughs> on with I'm the show. Adam, I, I, I know I'll, I know I'll stump you here and there, so don't worry, you know. And, and if Harvey comes in, like, you know that fella Harvey, you know, five foot two, eyes are blue. Hello, Harvey, I love you. But you know, you got Bill Clinton, too. Well, five foot two, eyes are blue. Hello, Monica, I love you as anybody. See my little cigar. Oh, yeah, baby. Of course, we all know about cigar boxes, don't we? <laughs> God bless America. I never inhaled it. Trust me, I know better. Yeah. Well, there it goes. Okay, go on, Adam. <laughs> oh, my goodness uh, gracious. That is fantastic. Um, hey, I used to, dude, I, see, I used to do stand-up. You're, you know, you're, but now I'm doing sit-down on account of, you know, my legs are tired, you know. They say, pull up a stool sample, my friend, you know, and boy, I'll tell you, every bar I did, I would do stand-up because I didn't want to pull up a stool sample. Exactly. This is why I never sat down. Okay? All righty. <laughs> Go ahead, Adam. Continue. So what we want to know about, mate, you've been building, you've been building cigar box ukuleles. Now, we're, we're trying to focus quite heavily with our, you know, with this particular group and with the podcast on uh, building cigar box instruments. But th that also, as far as our group, can, you know, entails also things like, you know, uh, the cookie tins and, and lunch boxes and things like that. And anything that we can, you know, anything that we can basically put together to, to use. But... You've been, you know, not to put, not to be too delicate. You've been doing this for a very long time. When, when, when did you start building cigar box uh, ukuleles? Well, twenty-one. When I was twenty-one years old, I um, so that I'm I'm fifty-seven now. So that you know that was thirty, you know, thirty-six years ago. And uh, but I've been playing ukuleles since I was four years old. You know, I'm I'm, I'm Portuguese, and my family's from Kamuki, Hawaii on the island of Oahu. So I, you know, I have that, you know, Hawaiian, you know, porty, you know, blood and soul running through me, which channels right into the ukulele. Yep. And um, I'm the only one out of, I'm the only one out of all the grandkids and kids and cousins and nieces and nephews that took to the ukulele. So a little apology um, to Ray there. Uh, I turned on my Bluetooth. Uh, you mean, uh, you mean all that comedy lost and gone forever? We lost it. It's, it was it, this, and it's, I don't think we'll ever get it back. But I'm, I'm glad that I was the only one, along with Olivia, who got to hear that. But we're going to ask. Well, I think we have it on video, though. Oh, that'll be good. That'll be great. That's if we could probably share that as well. But can I? We'll get you to come back. We we're talking about you're talking about your family, and you're talking about. Um, uh, history, that's right. <laughs> so we we're talking about. Um, you're, you you growing up and, 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 and getting introduced to ukuleles, and sorry, I'll let you continue. Sorry, mate. Yes, yes. Well, I, I'm born and raised in San Francisco, but my family, you know, is from Kamaki, you know, on the island of Oahu. And, um, you know, so I have, you know, the Portuguese, you know, Hawaiian, you know, blood in me, which to me transfers right into the ukulele. And like, I, I don't know, did you catch the part about where talked about you know when i started collecting ukuleles no we want to hear all about it and even if we did hear a bit of that we <laughs> okay. want to hear it again we want to hear it again right okay well basically you know my grandfather you know had four you know himself and four brothers and they all played ukulele they were and they were all orphan boys that you know grew up 
you know, um, in the Salvation Army Orphanage in Kamaki. And um, to earn money, they would stand on the street corners, you know, playing ukuleles and, uh, you know, where the tourists, you know, they'd be busking. And uh, they would also dive off the pier, you know, for silver dollars because the tourists would throw silver dollars, you know, off of the ships, you know, and watch the island boys dive for them. And uh, this is how, you know, these kids, you know, made a living on the streets. And my grandfather, when he was a kid, said, you know, we can make more money, you know, in three minutes on the front porch of the Royal Hawaiian Hotel than we could all week. And I said, well, Papa, how, how would you do that? And he said, well, we'd stand on there and we'd start singing. And before long, you know, the the bell captain, you know, would come out and, and, and give him a silver dollar, you know, and tell him to get on their way. And that, and that would be almost a week's, you know, what they would make. And, uh, and so, you know, I was honored, you know, years later, you know, to be able to, you know, return, you know, to the Royal Hawaiian Hotel and actually perform there. And uh, so that was an honor. You know, my grandfather started out on the front porch and I ended up in the ballroom. And, uh, you know, that that makes it, you know, you know, a, a bit of fun, you know, Hawaiian, you know, history. Yeah. My yeah, grandfather absolutely. also used to climb the, the coconut trees barefooted. You know, he said his feet were like shoe leather and, you know, they used to toss down you know, the coconuts, and, um, you know, they wouldn't just let them fall, I guess because they could get bruised or something, but they would pay the island boys to climb those coconut trees and toss the coconuts down. So, uh, and of course, this is back in the early days of, you know, Hawaii, back in the early 19, you know, hundreds. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, I managed to, as my uncles passed away, my grandfather passed away, I inherited their ukuleles. And, uh, and we're talking Nunes and Santos and uh, Sam Chang and, uh, you know, some amazing, beautiful koa, koa ukuleles. And this is what got me started. So as I grew up and everywhere I would go, if I found a ukulele or saw it, I would buy it. Because back in those days, you could, you know, find a gorgeous Hawaiian ukulele and pick it up for five bucks. I mean, it was it was a mere fraction of the cost of what that stuff is worth today because nobody knew what they had. Yeah. And, uh, and I learned, you know, on a Gibson, you know, this ukulele right here in, in this case is Gibson ukulele. That was my grandfather's that I learned how to play on. Oh, now, wow. my, grandfather, my grandfather had two ukuleles. He had, I don't have Martin in here, but my grandfather had a Martin and a Gibson. And the Martin stayed up in the, the top shelf of the closet. And my papa would only bring it out. You know, I said, Papa, could I see your pretty ukulele? And he'd take it out of the closet, bring it and show it to me, and then close the case and put it back up there. He says, look, that Martin survived two wars because he was in WW2 and the Korean War. Oh, wow. And he said it, went, he said it survived two wars, but it won't survive a bunch of grandkids. Yeah. So, so we never got to fiddle around with the Martin, but the Gibson. This one here, this Gibson, you know, this was the one that was expendable. Oh, lovely. And this, this, this is the ukulele that I learned on from the time I was four years old. Oh. And, uh, and does it have, I'm just looking at the headstocks, is it, does it have machine heads or tension screws? And you know what? That's right out of the box. Right 
face. <laughs> and I don't think I I don't think I pulled this out in, a, in probably a year. Oh wow. So yeah, but this is this goes this goes back, and this uh, has a lot of history. Yeah, that sounded. And so anyway, that's that's my roots with the ukulele. So anyway, I eventually amassed a collection, you know, of of, of over a thousand ukuleles. And this is what brought George Harrison to my home. Yeah. And George Harrison called me because I I had sold a ukulele to a woman that gave that was a very priceless banjo ukulele, a Gibson, as a matter of fact. And she wanted to buy it from me to give to George Harrison for a birthday present. Oh, wow. Well, she prodded me and prodded me, and I wouldn't sell it. And she told me, well, if, if I tell you who I'm buying it for, it's not for me. Would you reconsider selling it? And I said, listen, lady, if you're giving it to the president of the United States, well, of course, I never nailed it. I'll take the free ukulele. Anyway, no, baby. No, I, I said, listen, ma'am, if you're giving this, to, you know, to the president of the United States, I, I would, still wouldn't sell it to you. And she says, well, what if I told you I'm giving it to George Harrison? And all of a sudden, I, I, I just, I didn't know what to say. Then I said, George Harrison? George is into ukuleles. I, I mean, he's a guitar man. She says, "Oh, she said, oh no, George Harrison is is just nuts about ukuleles. They're just he's really a fanatic about them." And, and I'm thinking, "Oh my gosh, are you serious?" And 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 she says, "I would not go to this expense to find this ukulele and buy it if, if George wasn't somebody that was really serious about ukuleles, you know, because what would he do with it? You know, he's got all the guitars probably in the world." So anyway, I I thought, well, you know, if I give, if I sell this ukulele, I'm thinking in my mind, you know, George is probably, if he's really the collector that he is, he's going to want to know where it came from. And sure enough, you know, about two weeks time from when she bought the ukulele, George Harrison called me. And, you know, I'll put it this way. It was about 730 in the morning and I was just nestling down to a to a sleep because i just gotten in about 5 30 after gigging that night and partying all night and the phone rings and i answer it and it's george harrison hello this is george harrison and i said listen buddy i do impressions too and that's a good one but it's 7 30 click <laughs> george called me back he says George called me back right away. He says, oh, no, 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 really? This is George Harrison. He says, I'm calling about ukuleles. And, I, and all of a sudden, I, I mean, I just I just sobered up and came to my senses because I, I, I was kind of in, in a weird way expecting this call, but I didn't know it was going to come like this. Well, needless to say, George and I spent about five hours on the phone talking about ukuleles. And, uh, and we, uh, we, we discovered kindred spirits immediately. I mean, reached each other on a level that, you know, he had never, ever had anybody like me to talk about ukuleles to. And uh, so he arranged to come to my home and, and, and in two weeks, you know, he came to my house and he walked through the door and he says, oh my God, I think I died in the ukulele heaven. <laughs> and, 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 and really, truly, George, it brought out um, the child in George because my home 
you know, if you look at the videos on YouTube and you see my ukulele collection, uh, and, and the videos on YouTube don't even show the entire collection. I'd say maybe it only shows not even a third because I have never had, other than back when George came to my home, I have never had a place where I could have my entire collection housed and on display. Oh. <laughs> never since have I been able to do that. And, um, and I have plans in the very near future to reopen my museum. Uh, here in San Diego, where I'll have a large enough facility to be able to display all that and open it to the world again. But George, that day, must have touched and played almost every ukulele I had because he was so fascinated by every single one of them. <laughs> and, you know, there's just not enough time, you know, to, to do everything that you want to do. But George spent a good six hours, you know, that first meeting with me. And um, and at that at that time he introduced me to George Formby, who I had never heard of. Yeah. Never heard of and George, <clears throat> you know, was a fan of Formby. I go window cleaning, <laughs> you know, George. I go window cleaning, turning on his bob, rolling nosy poker and it's an interesting job. It's a job that suits me, a window cleaner you would be if you could see what I can see when I'm cleaning windows. Honeymoon and couples too, you should see them really cool. You'd be surprised at things they do when I'm cleaning windows. My profession, I work hard, but I'll never stop. I'm the springing manager, I get right to the top. Black and black, and I'm survived. Bright will be missed fine. I wish I had it all in mind when I'm cleaning windows. When I'm cleaning <laughs> yeah, George, George, actually, when he walked into my house, saw my resonator ukulele sitting on the wall, and George immediately walked over, picked up a national, okay, and did his own little impression of George Formby. <laughs> and I laughed like hell, because I, first of all, George... I had never heard of Formby, so I didn't know what George was doing. He was making his voice really quirky. You know, I was like, this is George Harrison. <laughs> I mean, it, like I said, it brought out a side of him that, you know, nobody could ever understand or experience unless you were there. Yeah. Because George had a, a tremendous sense of humor and, and, and loved comedy. You know, he financed uh, Life of Brian. You know, he was a huge fan of Monty Python. Oh, and, right, you know, yeah. uh, Eric Idle. And, um, oh, yeah, he did the Rutland uh, Weekend show. In fact, um, on YouTube, you could go on there and look for the pirate song, George Harrison. It, I, it, it probably has over half a million views on it. But that, those clips that I posted on YouTube, and I posted those, I guess, almost 10 years ago, yeah. eight years ago, whatever I did. Um, that was a 16 millimeter print that George sent to me because George knew that I was a 16 millimeter film collector. Yeah. And, um, and he sent that to me and I transferred it onto VHS. Then I transferred it, um, onto DVD and then eventually got it into a format to where I could put it, you know, on YouTube years yeah. ago. And, um, but it's the pirate song. I don't know if you've ever heard it, but George starts out the whole, the whole, Rutland weekend show, George comes on 
as a pirate. Ah, yeah, pirate Bob. Ah, you know, he wants to do a pirate sketch. And Eric Idle says, no, you're George Harrison. You're supposed to sing. There's no pirate sketch. <laughs> so throughout the show, George tries to be a pirate. And, and they, all they want George to do is sing. So very end, you know, George, you know, he does, you know, he starts out with the My Sweet Lord, you know, thing. This is the opening, you know, for uh, My yeah. Sweet Lord. <laughs> I wish I was a pirate, a pirate's life would be. All my friends are pirates and sail the BBC. I got a Johnny Roger, it's black and white and fast. Just set up your shirt and crossbones and I'll run it up your mast. You know, something like that. Anyway, uh, <laughs> and, um, in fact, you could go on YouTube to see that. And then I did a cover version of it uh, for my George Harrison tribute album called If Not For You. Um, because... In many of our conversations that I had with George, you know, George told me that, you know, I asked him, I said, have you, have you, have you ever thought about revisiting any of your old songs and music and doing ukulele versions to them? And he said that's something that he had thought about for a long time, you know, and I, I know that that was probably on George's bucket list. You know, and sadly, you know, he was never able to see that to fruition. Yeah, very sad. So, so what I did, when I, be, you know, became Fender's first ukulele artist, and, you know, I have 15 albums, okay? I I, I have more ukulele albums than, than any other contemporary ukulele artist out there. I don't know if Cliff Edwards has that many, you know, but I, I have 15 albums. And um, the uh, 10 of those albums... We did for basically for Fender, yeah, um, and that was to demonstrate the versatility of the ukulele being able to be adapted into any genre of music. Mm. So from that, we did a rock album, a reggae album, a country album. I even have a comedy album. Yeah, baby, Ooh, comedy. Yes, of course we got to have comedy. And um, but I, I did a version of the pirate song on my if, uh, my George Harrison ukulele tribute album, yeah. where I do any road. Here comes the sun. Uh, I need you, um, uh, and Travel Wilbury stuff. You know, um, I'm I'm the only one in the world that ever has had a Travel Wilburys tribute band, oh. and um, you know where we did George Har we did the Wilbury songs as well as George Harrison, Bob Dylan, Tom Petty, yep, and Jeff Lynne, and uh, so you know I they become kind of a you know a regular part you know of my show because. Like I said, in 2001, when George passed away, um, I needed to reinvent myself. And so I became ukulele ready. I, I had collected these Sgt. Pepper jackets for a long time, always buying them in 42 long. You know? <laughs> and if I saw one in 42 long, baby, I bought it. And just like Prince and, you know, Michael Jackson and, you know, all these guys, you know, wear these Sergeant Pepper jackets. And so when I created the ukulele Ray persona, that came, it really started out as a homage and tribute to George. Because when I met George back in 1987, George told me I should be playing ukulele professionally. He saw my collection and he, and he said my personality and everything, man. And he said, 
you'd be able to take the ukulele to the next level. I'm thinking, what what does that mean, George? <laughs> you know, to the next level. And, uh, you know, George felt that, you know, the ukulele needed a steward, mm. you know, to, 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 to help push a, a, a movement. And not that I'm, you know, I feel like I've, I've been a big part of that. Yeah. Because subliminally, which a lot of people don't realize, but, you know, I've written hundreds of jingles and uh, music bets, you know, for film, TV and radio and, you know, TV commercials. You hear almost about every other TV commercial anymore you hear with a ukulele bed in it. And I started doing that 20 years ago, um, you know, putting, you know, writing jingles and, and, and using ukulele uh, because nobody was u- using ukulele. And that was the thrust of my band and all my albums and the music that I do is I put ukulele as the lead instrument. You know, I put it up front where you would have a lead guitar. You know, I have a lead ukulele. And uh, now, although I'm not a lead player, you know, I'm just, you know, an old rhythm player because I lost part of my ring finger when I was a kid. Yeah. And I don't, and I, when I put pressure, I, in fact, I have some chords I have to like, bend my fingers in different ways and some chords I can't even make because I don't have feeling in that one particular finger so I've had to kind of get around that disability but but it's never stopped me from you know moving forward in fact you know people you know say you know I say you play ukulele and they'll say yeah but I'm just a rhythm player you know and I'm like hey dude a rhythm player I said everybody's a rhythm player even your kickers are rhythm players first you know and so, you know, but I encourage people, you know, I say, look, I'm just a rhythm player, but look what I've done. You know, Paul Stanley, you know, from Kiss. Oh, yeah. You know, he's a rhythm player. You know, I mean, there's, um, you know, Bob Dylan isn't exactly known you know, for his guitar playing. You know, you know, he's a rhythm player. But it's all part and, of the uh, song, isn't it? What's that? It's all part of the song, isn't it? And that's that's the thing. It's 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 the, the foundation of a, of a good song is in the rhythm. of the instruments now you don't know it's not just a case i think of of, of you going out and buying lots of ukuleles you've also you also build the most amazing ukuleles as well from the most from the most crazy crazy boxes and 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 tins and jugs and i don't know Beautiful. What's and, that? You know, it's just, just you know, so basic. It's, it's not even, you know, just plain, nothing fancy, and nothing, anything like 
the ones I've, you know, made over the years, but this is what inspired, you know, literally a lifetime of building because I've been building since for 36 years. Yeah. Well, hang on. I've got to get something for you. Hang on. I'll get. I'll get something. Hold on two seconds. This is this is great radio, people. This is. <laughs> hang on. So there you go. That's gonna, that's my attempt. <laughs> so that's gonna that's gonna be my attempt because I, I usually build three and four string cigar box guitars, and. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm building myself. I built one at Christmas for, for a friend of mine, and I gave that to him, and he loved it. And I thought, well, that's what I'm, I'm going to do. I'm going to do a bit of that and get in there. And, and it's amazing the sounds you can get out of it if you frame them, you know. Just put, put a bit of a frame in there, and we'll see what happens. You see, I, you see, I don't put anything in mine. Yeah. Well, there's I, pretty... don't, I, don't, I don't put any, any bracing in mine. And um, now, what's that? Yeah, I don't. In fact, um, you see, my my bracing system, for instance, in my lunchbox ukuleles, is extremely, you know, it is exclusive to me. And this is what allows me to make a lunchbox ukulele in less than five minutes. Okay. Do you want to share? Can you, sh- you can you share it with us, or is it a secret? <laughs> well, I'm going to share it with you. Okay, I'm not. I don't want you to broadcast it. Well, <laughs> I'll show you the trick. Well, it is a podcast, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I, some, some trade secrets you just have to keep secret. <laughs> hang on a second. Hold on. All right. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. What, what we'll do? Hang on. Give me two seconds. And <laughs> yeah, we're just going to pause the podcast for a moment. And we're back. Ray's going to talk to us about um, building cigar box guitars. Let's go, mate. <laughs> yeah. Well. Well. How 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 it all kind of how how the lunchbox ukulele. Now, see, I've been doing cigar box, you know, ukuleles, you know, like I said, since I was twenty-one. But about sixteen years ago, yeah, back in two thousand one. I started experimenting making lunchbox ukuleles because I'm sitting there one night, you know, medicating and I'm staring at at a shelf that I had a Betty Boop lunchbox sitting on, you know, right next to a Betty Boop ukulele, vintage one from the 1930s, Max Fleischer. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and the little Betty Boop display I had with Coco the Clown and, you know, uh, Bimbo and, you know, the whole gang. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm thinking, you know, what if I threw a ukulele neck on that thing? You know, would it work? Would it play? What would it, what would it sound like? Mm. And so I photoshopped. I took a picture of the, of, of the lunchbox, picture of a ukulele neck, and I photoshopped to see what it would look like, posted it on my website. Literally overnight, it ended up on on blogs like Boing Boing, Fretboard Journal, Ukulele. Dude, all of a sudden, it it was in a a Canadian magazine um, uh, called, um, oh man, I can't even think. um, Oh, dude, it it just, it, it went viral, okay? And I hadn't even made one yet. I didn't even know if they could even play. 
So I, so I was forced to sit there and figure out, you know, how I was going to put this together and make it. And man, I experimented with everything for bracing. I actually, I had some models where I actually used plexiglass, you know, in it for bracing. Yeah. Um, in fact, uh, in fact, I, 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 my old yellow submarine over here, but you know, I got written up in all these art publications saying that I was like the new Andy Warhol, that I had created playable pop art. And um, and a lot of that stemmed from my Campbell Soup can that I made. Oh, okay. That caught the ire of the art world. So all of a sudden, my pieces weren't considered just musical instruments. They were considered art. And my pieces embarked on an art gallery and museum exhibit tour around the world. And I think earlier I showed you Mr. Strings that actually toured the world because they, they didn't want me to go with it. They, they didn't want to pay for me to go. Yeah. It was cheaper to, you know, you know, take Mr. Strings apart and ship him along with the whole gang. You put and, him in uh, a box and not a hotel. <laughs> what's that? Put him in a box and not a hotel. Exactly, you know, so... So Mr. Springs got to go around the world, you know, while I sat home and watched, you know, all his exploits, you know, <laughs> you know kind of cool. But anyway, I'm going to explain a little bit about the, the, the lunchbox ukulele, because, you know, anyone, you know, can make a cigar box, you know, instrument. It's so simple, you know, and I, like I said, I don't even use bracing in them, and I don't even use glue. You know, um, you know, I make a jig yeah. and I use screws. You know, glue is messy. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, sometimes I use glue for certain things to hold things in place. And my glue of choice um, is um, Gorilla uh, Super Glue Gel. Yeah. Which uh, it bonds quickly, really quickly. You know, <laughs> and um, and you don't have to use a lot of it. Yeah. Is that the you glue know? that you were um, using on so, that on? Sorry, is that the glue that you were using on the on the um, the video that put it on YouTube, with the one where you were making the three guitars in time lapse? Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. When I did that, I I used a little dab, you know, because it, it holds it in place long enough for me to get a, a a Dremel. Yep. You know, and it my necks are held on by two two screws. Yep. You know, it, it's so simple. It, it's not even funny. Yeah. But but. But where it becomes complicated is is the lunchbox ukulele. Yeah. Because first of all, just like cigar boxes, no box is created equal. Yeah. And you know, and um, but basically, like I said, okay, this is this is my bracing system. Yep. That I've developed. Okay. And it's this is what allows me to make a lunchbox ukulele okay. in less than five minutes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Because so we'll say it's made out of ply. It's it's ply. Yeah, this yeah. is this is made out of plywood. And <clears throat> if you notice, the top part, this is what uh, this whole part, first of all, adds rigidity to the tin box. Yep, yep. Because the tin box is flimsy. Yeah. It dances easily. And it's not doesn't really hold up well, you know, because I learned this without this bracing system. You know the the neckle, you know bow, yeah. you know by the tension of the strings, and you know so it needs to be durable. Okay, so what the bracing system does? This part, 
Okay. Which is the front of it, yep. Okay. You see, it's inserted like this. Oh, uh, yep, yep, yep. Okay. So you see this part goes in. Yep. And then this is what braces the neck. Yep. This part here goes up, which allows you to screw right in. Oh, fantastic. The so it basically okay, so braces the neck, the braces the, 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 the rear of the box and gives the bridge something to sit right. on. And then, and then the bottom, it braces the bottom. So you see, look, now you've got a solid box. That's it. You know, you can't bend it. No. You know, you, it's, it, it's very rigid. Yep. And you've and, even set uh, that one up with a Pezio and a, and a uh, preamp. Well, yes. And now this is another thing. Okay, this is an underbridge preamp. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, now, whoever invented those, to me, are just absolute idiots. <laughs> why would you bury? Why? Why would you bury that under the saddle? You know, under the saddle bridge. I'm sorry, not under the bridge, but under the saddle. Yeah. Okay. Because you don't get the full strength. Yeah. You, you know, and and it, when I just started installing those way back when, um. If you use them in a professional setting like I do when you're on stage, dude, I, 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 I've had sound men, you know, have to turn up, you know, everything from the, the preamp to the amp to the board all the way full yeah. just to get a sound out of them sometimes, yeah. you know. And, and so what I do, okay, and this is, and okay, same thing with my Travel Wilburys. Yep. Okay. Now, do you see that? Can you see that? Yeah, got the bridge there. Instead of it going under the saddle, yeah. I make it the saddle itself. Oh, I can see. So you've actually got, so you're using a bar. Oh, I see that. So you're using the, the bar. Strings, the, the strings have direct contact. It's a rod pezio. See there? Oh, I can see that. Oh, it's fantastic. That's very clever. I can see that. So you're actually using the Rod Pezio okay. sitting on top of that. That's fantastic. Now, it, it's this is the way to go. Here, in fact, uh, let's see. I, I and and the thing is, like I said, you've got direct contact now. Yep. You know, with the strings. Yep. Yep. Okay. Right there. There it is. And you run that. And you run that into the into a um, into a preamp on the top. Yeah, yeah, see here? See, it, it goes, see, there's the plug-in. Yep, you see that? Yep. And there's can your you preamp. And so you mount the pre there. preamp on the inside? Yeah. Can you can you right access here, yeah. it from the, okay, so it's on the inside there. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Okay. And, and you still got room to put a sandwich and a book and everything else in there. <laughs> you take a now, snack along. this... Now I'll, I'll, I'll show you another one real quick. Oh, this is great. Ray's going off to he's going to grab another guitar, another ukulele, yeah. I should say, at the moment. Well, this this is this is the one that brought this is the one that brought Fender to my door. Oh, okay. okay. I I made th this is my Fender 60th anniversary. Oh, that's beautiful. Lunchbox, okay. What a lovely lunchbox and that see, is. This has got all their guitars all yep. the way around. Okay. Now, this is what my thermos amp. <laughs> That's great. See, there's the speaker. Yes, I can see that. 
you plug in right there. But the thing that's cool about this is, you see, the ukulele has all the guitars around it. Yep. And it's a ukulele you can play, string instrument. Oh, yeah. And the, and the thermos has all their amps on it. Oh, that's clever. And it's an amp. Isn't that great? And, and you use you use the cup for tips because you yeah. don't expect to make a hell of a lot. <laughs> so how did you yeah, anyway, find out? So because I made this, <clears throat> I got an email from Fender's legal department. Oh, no way. And they're like, you can't do that. And I said, oh, yes, I can. I, <laughs> I paid full retail for the box, which is more than royalties you'd get. You know, if I had to pay you licensing, <laughs> you know, and this is considered folk art. It's that simple. So Fender backed off and they just asked me to put a disclaimer on my website to let people know that this wasn't actually a, a product of Fender made by Fender. Right. So that, yeah. I, that, that I that I just used the Fender name for product identification purposes, yeah. blah, blah, blah. So they approved that. Well, with that. Okay, I sent them an entire proposal because I wanted to license the use of their Telecaster neck oh, okay. on a die-cut tin. Yeah. Because I wanted to have tins die-cut to the shape of a telly. Yeah. Okay, and have the telly headstock put on. <laughs> All righty. And they wouldn't let me, do, they didn't want that. Okay. And but with that proposal, I said, you know what, you guys should get in the ukulele game. You know, ukulele's hot, they're coming up. And they sent me, kind of poo-pooed it and said, no, we, we, we make basses, you know, guitars and amps, we're not going to get into ukuleles. Yeah, if I could well, do, I'm, I'm going to do the, the Ridgy Ditch thing, you go, real instruments, that kind of thing. That was the feeling that they got, they gave you, you know, with the, with the oh, quotation marks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so three years later, okay... They contact all ukulele Ray, and now they're going to get into the ukulele game. And this is how I came aboard with Fender, yeah. and um, and helped launch. Really, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm Fender's first ukulele artist. You know, because of Fender, you know, you know, I have my Hal Leonard book. You know, yeah. ukulele for guitar players. It's yeah. literally, and that looks fa that looks fantastic too. It really looks great. My my book has literally brought tens of thousands of guitar players to ukulele. Yeah, and this is in guitar centers, Barnes and Noble. This is all over the world. Amazon. Yeah, can we buy it from uh, your site? What's that? Can we buy it directly from you? No, no, because I because I have to pay what you know Amazon pays for. Them. Oh, okay. I, I don't get it. <laughs> I, I, you know, I get them wholesale, but I have to buy my own books, and I, I, I it's I'm so busy with everything else. It's easier to do it through the through Amazon or that, yeah. Yeah, but the thing that's really cool is this play along CD that comes with it. Yeah. Because I have here. Here goes the ad. Do the ad. Um, we like ads. Four, four, Fourteen. Of my classic rock, you know, Surfing USA. Classic rock arrangements for ukulele with tabs and, you know, everything. Yeah. But the, the key is my ukulele karaoke yes. CD that comes, that you can play along to. And, and, and you're playing along to, with my band. Okay. A professional band, not a synthesized... 
track. Yeah. You know, you're playing with a real band, okay? My band, which, you know, you know, we've toured all over, you yeah. know, 15 albums. And uh, so, dude, and, and if anything, if there's a guitar player in your life that you think should be playing a ukulele, my book, okay? <laughs> it's a good-looking book. Yes. Anyway, so anyway, this is this is what this is what brought Fender, and you know, I showed you earlier my you know Fender signature model. Yeah, gorgeous. The color, that's a color and, body. Uh, now I'll show you real quick. Uh, he just potted off to. He's just gone off to go and grab something. Yeah, the, yeah. These are yeah. these are my recent these are my recent Fenders that I'm making. Oh, fantastic! You know. Th- this is my Telecaster. Yep. And see, there's the headstock. Oh, fantastic! There, and that's a li- is that a license? Is it, <laughs> I hate to ask. Is, is that a licensed headstock from Fender? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 these are all license plates. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Look at this one. Here's the twin reverb. Oh, that's gorgeous. That's the one that you made on the clip. Yeah. That's well, actually, it. I made all three of these at the same time on the clip. That's right. Yeah. And, and then here's here's the U.S. Fender flag. That's it. Uh, oh, I love that. That's the headstock So the, on the end of the flag, the, the red yeah, and white. That, That's fantastic. That's lovely. Yeah, no, they're, they're, and it's on the back, and they're on cigar boxes, aren't they? Those those particular yeah, ones. Yeah, these are all cigar boxes. You got Padron box there, and um, yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're all Padron. Yep, yep. Boxes. Oh, they're lovely. Yeah. Thanks, man. <laughs> I love those, they, and they came up really, really well. It's amazing how quickly you can make them in time lapse, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Now this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> this, this is the one I just made for Ryan Gosling. Oh, that's great. You know that was nominated, you know, for you know Best Actor Academy Award, yeah. you know, for La La Land, because his drummer, Foo Foo the drummer, yep. is working with me. Is working with me now. Okay, yep. And um, oh gosh, I, I I I work with a lot of pretty amazing musicians. Mm-hmm. Alvin Taylor, who was George Harrison's drummer for Thirty Three and a Third. Did uh, the Little Genie album with Elton John. Um, he was Eric Burden's drummer. Uh, he was discovered by Billy Preston and uh, Little Richard. He was with R- Little Richard's. He was Little Richard's drummer when Little Richard was the opening act for Elvis in uh, Las Vegas when Jimi Hendrix was known as Jimmy James in the band as the guitarist. Yeah. Before, before he had his out with Little Richard and moved on. Yeah. Alvin, Alvin was the drummer. And is that Jimmy James and the Blue Flames or something? Am uh, I remembering back? You know, Can't remember now. Who's that? Oh, just, was it Jimmy James and the Blue Flames or something? I can't. Uh, just, that's coming out of somewhere left of memory. So I remember reading about it somewhere, but I might be wrong. That's all right. <laughs> and, and Alvin, and also I work a lot with Ricky Hendrix, you know, Jimmy Hendrix's first cousin. Yeah. You'll probably see a lot of videos, you know, of me, you know, with Ricky. And that was and, a man you know, too. Ricky was with Buddy Miles. Yeah. You know, for for many many years, and um, but he's just an amazing guitarist in his own right as well. And mm. I've I've made Ricky, you know, a couple. Uh, I made him a Jimi Hendrix 
uh, lunchbox ukulele uh, oh. last year yeah. know, for, for Ricky's birthday. Oh, I would have loved and, that. And uh, I've made ukuleles uh, for Paul McCartney, Gene Simmons, Greg Hawks of the Cars, Cheech and Chong, Steven Tyler, um, Billy Sheehan, um, Lyle Ritz, bless God, bless Lyle Ritz. Oh my gosh, you know, it was just the dearest. He, he was one of my ukulele mentors. Yeah. Um, but I, I've made, um, you know, cigar box ukuleles, you know, for a lot of celebrities. This one I just made for uh, Ryan Gosling. I've got one I made for Pierce Brosnan, 007. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it, see, I, I run in a circle, you know, of, well, I guess it starts from my Las Vegas days. Yeah. Um, you know, when I opened for headliners, um, you know, doing impressions. And because, I guess because, of, you know, my personality and, you know, I'm, I'm like what you would call an artist artist, you know, because um, I go to a lot of parties and with a lot of these people and, and they get to know me like at NAMM. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm kind of a staple at NAMM. I, I mean... If people don't see me running around in my Sergeant Pepper jackets, you know, they think there's something wrong. There's something big going on. <laughs> well, I noticed that a couple of years right. ago, I know you were unwell, and you were still going there when you you were in a wheelchair for a little while because you were quite unwell. Well, well, I was struck down by uh, a really vicious um, flesh-eating bacteria, mm. you know, that that attacked my lungs. Yeah. And there's, there's no cure for it. Um, and I literally live each day by the grace of god it's that simple yeah because when they were trying to save me from this bacteria they threw all these antibiotics at me and i had a reaction a very bad reaction to one and it forced the bacteria to spread to my esophagus yeah so i wasn't able to swallow solid food nor breathe and i i had a feeding tube i i i, I mean i had tubes and stuff coming out of me but i went down to 109 pounds mm. and three years ago i was dying in a hospice with literally hours to live yeah uh the doctors gave up hope and and as you know hospice is you know the last place you, you usually end up on this earth you know before checking out yeah yeah and um all i can say is you know my my girlfriend was you know i was literally in a coma yeah and um I was in a state where I couldn't make decisions for myself. And because she managed to get me out of that hospice, back to the hospital, where miraculously, you know, God put that bacteria in check. Mm. And even the doctors are mind boggled uh, because there, there's no medication or anything that, that, that I, I, I take that it's just it's by the grace of god yeah and then i then i ended up in in a wheelchair because being bedridden you know for over two years yeah my legs contracted my my legs were at a 90 degree angle mm. um where i couldn't straighten my legs for over two and a half mm. years i was bedridden and wheelchair bound yeah. i couldn't even straighten my legs and so it was difficult a form of atrophy or something burn. wasn't it yeah oh horrible and, and the doctor said that I would ne the doctor said I would never walk again. They had never seen such a severe case, and they likened it unto cerebral palsy. Mm. And I was actually seen a cerebral palsy specialist at the Children's Hospital here in San Diego yeah. because that's a children's disease. Yeah. And but that was the only and surgery wouldn't fix it. 
And uh, miraculously, you know, God straightened my legs. And I, you know, through physical therapy, you yeah. know, and not that it wasn't a lot of hard work. Yeah, of course. You know, sometimes, you know, you just want to give up because the pain is so bad. But, you mm. know, you, you have to keep pushing yourself. Yeah. And, um, you know, when I laid in that hospice, and I laid in the hospital, you know, and you know, I'll put it this way. When I went into the ER, I didn't see the light of day, you know, for over a year. Mm. Um, and in all that time, just being in hospitals and skilled nursing facilities, um, you know, all I had, you know, was my my music. But see, I had lost a lot of my memory because mm. I had brain damage. I had kidney failure. Yeah. Um, I had to reteach myself how to play ukulele. Um something that you know you've done your whole life yeah so the last the last few years i've just this last year i've been coming back to life yeah you know i've been i've probably made a hundred ukuleles you know uh, since yeah, just in in the last nine months yeah easily um which is quite a comeback because like i said when i was in the, the hospital school nursing facility they told me I'd never walk again. They told me I'd never be the same again. Mm. That, you know, you, you can't buy into that, you know. And, and I would not have done the things that I'm doing now, you know, if I, you know, didn't have the faith and the strength to move forward. Yeah. And, um, and, and here I am. I'm building again. I'm, I'm performing on stage again. Well, I thought I'd never sing. I thought I'd never sing again. Well, I thought I'd never... Ever, mm. I'll put it this way: I never thought I'd ever step back foot in my studio again. Yeah, right here. You know, I thought I'd never see all these things or be able to make people smile or laugh again. And here I am. You know, and and Adam, you know, to be here on your podcast, to, you know, to me it is an honor. You know, because I don't, I don't have a, a chance often to really tell my story and, and share, you know, a lot of what I've done because. It was only about a year ago where I finally started using my Facebook yeah. uh, page, my personal one. Yeah, I've had my ukulele ray, ray page for many, many years, mm. almost from the, the beginning of uh, Facebook, because I was on MySpace and all that stuff, and yeah. made the transition over. But I only started using my personal Facebook because God told me to. Yeah. You know, God told me to start reaching out to people. You know, don't sit in this ivory tower anymore and not be in contact, you know, with people. You know, if people reach out to you, talk to them. Mm-hmm. You know, and because I've always been kind of a, you know, a loner mm. and um, very outgoing in public. But yeah. like a lot of musicians and artists, you know, they're very... Many of them are reclusive, yeah. and and that's kind of how I am. I, I'm, um, you know, you have this persona when mm. you're out in front of people, but you know, I lo- I enjoy my privacy, yeah. and um, and even when I was sick and I was dying in the hospital, you know, I told my girlfriend I, Olivia, you know, I, I didn't want people to know. Mm. Uh, I didn't take any visitors. You know, I didn't want people to see me in the state that I was in. And, you know, and if you see the pictures, if if you go on YouTube and you search ukulele ray testimony, you know, that kind of gives you an overall picture. It shows you photos and everything of what I went through uh, to a song that I wrote called uh, My Song of Hope. Mm. And uh, which he 
which really became my anthem, as I began to start to try to walk again and, and rebuilding my life. And this was a song that I wrote before I got sick, but I had no idea that it would help be one of those songs that you know help motivate me back. Yeah. And, back uh, and yeah, but I'm back. I'm back. You know, and 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 it's 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 great that I since I've been back to make all the friends that I have, you know, on Facebook and you know Google Plus and Twitter and Instagram and all the social media. Because, like I said, you know, I have subscribers and followers and this and that, <clears throat> but I never reached out personally. Yeah. And, 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 and believe it or not, I've helped a lot of people with their cigar box builds and a handful of We're just, sorry, right? We're losing you, mate. We're just losing you there. You back with us? You're just saying you, you you've helped a lot of people in the cigar box guitar community. Oh yeah, I've I've actually sold some of my bracing systems to people that you know because they contact me and ask me how to build a cigar box. Uh, I'm sorry, a lunchbox ukulele. Yeah. And I explain, you know, the bracing system, but I don't show it to them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I tell them, you know, hey, but if you want. You know, I'll, you know, you could buy, you know, one of the systems, you know, I'll make it to the size of the box yep. and, you know, you could just insert it because you see that retrofit system. Yeah. You, you insert it when it goes into place. Okay. Yeah. And, and I've, I've got a, an air gun. Yeah. Okay. Boom, boom. You know, uh, you know, a couple brads, you know, one and three quarter inch brads, yeah, yeah. you know, go up there. Boom, boom. And I put two in the base. Boom, boom. Done. Yeah, that's it. Well, not even a minute. We're gonna we're gonna finish it up in a second, right? But I've got a I've got a couple of questions from uh, a couple of people from the um from the uh, the podcast group. Uh, the first question, yes. I suppose, which is the biggest one, is if we want to buy a ukulele, Ray ukulele, how can we do that? In Australia, especially in Australia, where we are here in Australia, is there any way that anyone in Australia can can buy a, one of your ukuleles? Can they buy one? Yes. Hell yeah! <laughs> How can we do that? Do you have a do, do you have a say no, Do you have a page or a group? Are you nuts? What do you think? I just build these things and hang them up in your show? Come it's just on, a hobby. Baby. Hey baby, I sell every show, baby. Rotten Randy. Kidding? Gosh, get out of here. Yes. Yes, I tell. The, the nice thing is, okay, I'll make anything custom for anybody. Yeah. You know, um, first of all, you know, if you got an old lunchbox laying around and you want to make a ukulele in it, send it to me. You know, usually for about for about a hundred bucks. Yep. You know, I'll I'll convert you know a lunchbox into a ukulele for somebody. Yeah. Which is cheap. And but then you have a ukulele array original. You That's see it. now you you got a lot of people building lunchbox ukuleles these days. But you know what? They had to get their inspiration somewhere. All right. And you know when all these blogs are writing about me, you know, ten, eleven, twelve years ago, you know, and you can go. I'll put it this way: you can go to lunchboxukulele.com. Okay. That's my old Boxalele website. Yep. But you can't buy anything on there. Yep. That is a that is a price guide. Okay. Oh, okay. 
pieces sold for in art galleries. Oh, okay. Okay? So don't be surprised when you see a Beatles one in there that sold for $2,500. Oh, wow. Okay? I sold my, I did the entire Beatles albums in lunchbox ukulele form. You could see it in the video, you know, of my lunchbox ukulele tour on yep. YouTube. I, the entire collection sold to a Japanese collector for $15,000. Oh, wow. And um, those were all my one-offs, yep. you know, all my you know original prototypes. Yep. And those toured everywhere, you know. And um, Well, they have history to them see, too, don't they? You know, and that's the yeah, thing. Yeah, you know, so I, you, you, believe me, you can't go wrong by having, you know, getting an instrument from Ukulele Ray yep. because, you know, they'll only appreciate the value. So the best thing to do would be to contact you directly through through Facebook? Yeah, Facebook, you know, or ukuleleray at AOL.com. Okay. You know, my website, ukuleleray.com. Um, I also have the Ukulele Ray Foundation where I donate ukuleles to uh, school programs. In fact, um, I'm donating a dozen ukuleles to a school here in Orange County in the next couple of weeks. Oh, fantastic. And... Uh, you know, as well as the youths for troops, yep. you know, that go overseas, and um, and also uh, for veterans. You know, I'm a veteran myself, and uh, actually, I started out when I was a kid touring the VA hospitals. Mm. You know, with a ukulele. You know, because my grandfather was a veteran. And it started out where I'd bring two ukuleles down for him and I to just play in the rec room when he, because my grandfather spent about a year and a half. He was so sick. Uh, in the VA hospital in yeah. Livermore, California. Oh, uh, the dominoes just fell. It was one ukulele at a time. Just now, it just <laughs> okay. I, I couldn't catch the first one. Three of them just boom, boom, boom. <laughs> but they're durable, man. They are. They, make them, they bounce. Stay tough, like a four truck. Yeah. Or is that a Dodge? Yeah, Dodge Ram. Yeah. Yeah, we have yeah, one. I, We've just got, we've got one more question before we go, Ray. Um, another uh, one of our listeners was um, was wondering what yeah. strings you like to use. Well, I use a variety of strings. Um, well, first of all, on on my ukuleles that tour and go on display, fishing line. Okay. Okay. I'm not <clears throat> because they hang in you know art galleries and stuff. You know, and most people don't touch them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're not supposed to. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I throw a fishing line, you know, on them. I also use fishing line to test out my ukuleles before I put a fresh set. Okay. A new set of strings on them. Yeah. You know, and I, and I do that to test for intonation, uh, for tuning, and, um, and, um, and fishing line works great. You know, just just to, to get a feel. Yeah. You know, because you, you know you want to see the action. Yeah. Like for instance, see the action on the Wilbury. That's really nice action. Yeah. You know this this one you know plays literally. You know, like I said, it's it's got the spirit of George in it. You know, yeah. plays like better because you know that's got George and Bob Dylan on the front. That's it. And uh, then it's got a, a forty-five of handle with care on the back. That's great. And then on the inside, you know, you've got, you know, Roy Orbison, Jeff Lynn, and Tom Petty. Oh, <laughs> that's fantastic. And Roy's right in the middle there. You can see him through the sound hole. 
We just might have... There we go. We got you there, Ray. Sorry, we're, just, we're breaking down, mate. Well, look, Ray, I've got to say, mate, we, we're probably going to leave it there, but I, there's just so much. Hopefully we can have you back on the podcast again some other times, sometime soon. Um, thank you so much for spending the time with us. I really appreciate uh, all the time you've, you've, you've spent with us today. Um, and it's, it's just been such a pleasure to have you there. Have you got us there still, Ray? Yeah, I think I think we've lost our. I think we've just lost our connection with um, with Ray, unfortunately. But um, we'll just see if we can get him back just quickly, just to just to um, just to see if we can call him back, just to say thank you, thanks for for having him on the podcast. Just while we're waiting, um, just a, a very big uh, thank you for all of those people who've been listening to the podcast. Um, really appreciate uh, the comments that uh, you're putting through the group. Uh, we're just giving him a call back now. Um, please, you know, when you go and listen to us via iTunes, please don't forget to give us a five-star review. Uh, that'll help promote the, uh, the promote the podcast. It's growing steadily. We're all around the world. And, uh, back. Yeah, Ray's back, Ray's back. Oh, Ray, I just wanted to say, mate, we're just saying before, thank you so... We're going to have to leave it there. But um, I just wanted to say thank you so much for uh, spending the time with us today and... Tonight, last night, we're spending the time with us last night, I should say, for you. Um, Ray's in the state, so it's currently about 10.30 at night at the, uh, there, and I think we've hit about 3 o'clock in the afternoon the following day here. It's all very confusing. But, um, uh, again, a big thank you to Ray. Uh, we've, I think we've lost him again, so I'll contact him back a little bit myself and, and just thank him. And... Um, Look out for us next week. We've got a lot more interviews coming up and uh, we're building, we're growing. Please don't forget, you can uh, become a patron if you wish to. Um, you don't have to. Um, I, I love doing this. We're just uh, you know, trying to build it and make it, uh, make it a little bit better so any support is very much welcome. My dog's barking. I'm going to go. Have a great one and we'll catch you next week. Bye.